it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Odd Trails contains adult language and content. If you have a story to share, send it to stories at oddtrails.com. Enjoy the show. Forget facts. Forget logic. Forget everything that seems real. You just trust. Believe. I'm a fan of the Morbid podcast and recently listened to the episode that Andrew was a guest on. On the show, he mentioned how growing up Pentecostal might have something to do with his spiritual sensitivity. I also happen to grow up Pentecostal and share a very similar experience to your encounter with the glowing orb. This story took place when I was extremely young and involves a quote-unquote dream that I had. I'm unsure of how old I was, but it had to have been around the age of four or five years old. My older sister, who was 11 years older than me, was still living with my parents. She moved out when I was six to live with our grandma. This dream began as my mom, sister, and I pulled up at my mom's client's house. It was an old red farmhouse with white trim that sat on a hill. My mom worked as a cleaning lady and would take my sister and me to the houses with her that she worked. The only rules were to stay in the living room while our mom was working and to not touch anything that wasn't ours. When we got inside the house, my mom escorted me and my sister to the living room. My mom turned the TV on, gave us the remote, and asked us to only get her if it was an emergency. We were used to this, so we said okay, sat down on the couch, and watched TV. The house itself had two stories. When you walked in the front door, there was a long hallway that led into the kitchen, dining room, and laundry area in the back of the house. On the right, there was the living room, where my sister and I were. On the left, there was this formal dining area with the china cabinet. It also had a round table and a lofted balcony. The living room had two large windows that were draped with white curtains. The window facing the TV had a large floral couch in front of it, while the other window had a matching love seat that faced the lofted balcony. My sister was lying on the couch while I sat on the love seat. After about 30 to 40 minutes of being there, I noticed a faint light coming from upstairs. My mom always had a certain routine when she cleaned homes, so I was able to determine how much longer we would be there based on what she was doing. I was excited that she had moved onto the second floor of the house quickly. This always meant that it was about time to go. 
I turned back towards the TV to watch whatever was on. After a few minutes, I noticed out of the corner of my eye that the light had gotten brighter. I assumed this was because my mom had moved to the loft balcony to clean. I turned my head to look, and hovering in the lofted area was this glowing orb. The second I looked at it, a wave of dread washed over me. I looked at my sister on the couch for reassurance and was horrified to see that she had also noticed this orb. She was frozen in fear, staring at it. I looked down at her hand, which was trembling as she was holding the TV remote. I let out a cry and whispered, I'm scared. My sister whispered to me, Me too. We had no idea what to do. She eventually found enough courage to slowly move over to the love seat with me while facing the orb to make sure that it wasn't moving. She put her arms around me. We were both crying and shaking. Our fear intensified as the orb continued to grow bigger and brighter. Suddenly the orb moved over the railing and floated down to our level. This snapped us out of our frozen state and we jumped into action. We got up and pushed the love seat away from the wall so that we could hide behind it. Right when we got up to do this, the orb shot toward us. We screamed and dove behind the love seat for shelter. A few seconds went by, and we peeked around the love seat, only to see an empty room. Our mom appeared shortly after with a mop in hand, asking what was wrong. We ran to her, hugged her, and begged her to stop cleaning so that we could leave. My mom took our fear seriously and said, I need to finish up in here, but you can wait in the car. We did as we were told and waited outside until she was done. This is where the dream ends. This extremely vivid dream haunted me for years. One day when I was about 11, my sister came over to eat dinner with my parents and me. We got onto the subject of weird dreams and I finally decided to share the dream about the glowing orb. As I told my family about the dream, I noticed that my mom and sister's faces went completely pale. After I finished sharing my dream with them, I noticed they shared this quick glance with each other. I asked what was wrong and my mom said, Honey, that wasn't a dream. That really happened. Then she explained about how my sister and I came to her crying about wanting to leave. After we went outside to wait in the car, she felt as if someone was watching her. She couldn't shake the feeling as she finished cleaning. She contacted the homeowners and thanked them for the opportunity, but said that continuing to clean their home was not going to work out. She never cleaned their house again. I had a hard time believing that this wasn't a dream, so my mom decided to prove it to me. She decided to drive me by the farmhouse so that I could see that it was real. Sure enough, she drove me down the lane, and at the top of the hill on the right side of the road, sat the exact old red farmhouse with white trim from my dream. To this day, I still have no idea what that orb was or why it felt so sinister. The red farmhouse is located in my hometown. I live 30 minutes away in an adjacent town. But even 20 years later, I avoid driving down that area when I visit because even the thought of seeing that farmhouse gives me the creeps. After hearing about Andrew's orb experience, I couldn't help but share mine. 
I honestly couldn't believe how many people had similar experiences like this that they can't fully explain. In a strange way, it's nice to know there are others out there who have also been traumatized by a glowing ball of light. Thanks for being on Morbid and talking about your spooky orb. I hope I will never meet one again. This happened when I was around 25 years old. I was briefly staying with my mom in the upstairs portion of an old Victorian-era house owned by my grandmother. To this day, the house still has a very eerie vibe. Like I can feel a presence there. I'm really sensitive to things like this. And on this particular night, I was watching TV with my mom and her boyfriend. Suddenly. A feeling came over me. Not sure what it was, but I looked around and said under my breath, I invite you to show yourself. Well, I guess something took that and ran with it, because later that night, it had to be around 3am, I awoke to the sound of a chair being dragged or pulled across the finished wooden floor in the kitchen. That really slow vibrating sound from the chair legs rubbing against the floor. My bedroom door was right next to the kitchen, so I wasn't alarmed or anything. I just thought it was my mom. Half asleep, I said out loud, Mom, what are you doing this late? No answer. Just more dragging. I get out of bed and slowly walk to my bedroom door. It's dark, but from the light outside... Being in the city, I can still see. Before I make it to the door, I see a figure, and I remember it vividly to this day because it had a light around it, like a dim, glowing shade of emerald green. It kind of lit up the room. This figure stood at my door wearing what I can only think of as a robe or toga of some sort. It was extremely tall as well, and resembled a man. He had to lean down to poke his head into the room, but his face was blurred out. I couldn't make anything of it, except that there was no hair on his head. I've had plenty of paranormal experiences before, but this was the first time I had ever seen something with my own two eyes. His movements were so otherworldly. Nothing like the mechanics of a human body in motion. We just stood there, frozen in time, looking at each other. I couldn't believe what I was seeing, so I turned to flip on a light, but when I turned back, he was gone. I couldn't sleep after that for a few nights. I was frightened but intrigued at the same time. I haven't seen him since, but who knows... Maybe he's waiting for another invitation.
Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. My boyfriend, daughter, and I moved into a new apartment a couple of days after Christmas in 2020. I didn't want to move, but financially, we had to. Our new apartment is an older, five-story complex with maybe 150 units. It was built in the early 60s, so it's got some history, I'm sure. I always hear weird noises, like floorboards creaking and the knocking of pipes and the heater. Since it's much larger of a complex than I was used to, hearing people in the hallways at all hours really creeps me out. But I always chalk up the noises to be something explainable and logical. My apartment has a pretty generic layout. You walk in the front door and you're in the living room. To the right is a hallway with two bedrooms on the left, and at the top of the hallway is the bathroom. From the doorway to the left is a small kitchen with two entryways, one into the kitchen and one into the dining area, which is all open. My boyfriend works in the restaurant industry, so he works weird hours all of the time. He typically sleeps on the couch because of his weird sleeping habits, and my daughter and I co-slept in my bed. One night, my boyfriend was asleep on the couch and my daughter and I were asleep in our bed in the back bedroom. Something woke me up in the middle of the night. Not a noise or anything, but how you might wake up when someone's walking into your room to get something, no matter how quiet they are. It's merely their presence and energy that shifts in the room. It wakes you up and it alerts you that someone is there. I woke up to see a shadow figure standing in my doorway. The door to the hallway was open, and it was standing in the hallway just outside of the room like it was peeking in at us. You see, my boyfriend is overprotective and would always check in on us throughout the night to make sure that our daughter was warm and covered up. I figured it was just him coming back from the bathroom to make sure that we were okay. I actually smiled at this figure a bit, then turned over and went back to sleep. No big deal. The next morning, I was talking to my boyfriend and said, Oh, was it a rough night for you again, sleeping? I saw you peeking in on us from the hallway. I was sitting on the couch and he was at our dining room table. He froze. He looked down at his arm and rubbed the goosebumps. He said, That wasn't me. I started to smile, but then could see how serious he was. My gaze matched his uneasiness. What? He replied. I was sleeping last night, and I kept having this creepy feeling like somebody was watching me. I felt something looking in on me from the hallway, but I just couldn't see anything. I shifted from one end of the couch to the other and tried to block it out, but I was so creeped out. He was evidently shaken up by the fact that I had a weird experience on that same night. Who was the presence in our hallway? Why was it watching us? Did it mean to scare us? We weren't sure. At night, my apartment gives me the heebie-jeebies. I always leave lights on. 
When I'm alone in the living room or kitchen at night, I always hurry back to my room. Like how you might when you turn the lights off in the basement and run up the stairs like some kind of demon is down there in the depths of hell. I hear my boyfriend's voice a lot in the apartment or sounding like he's right outside in the parking lot downstairs. The other night I heard him yell for our daughter from the kitchen, or so I thought. Luckily she didn't go out there, but soon after I heard the front door open. It was my boyfriend and I asked, where were you? He said that he went to put a load of laundry in the washer down the hall and check on the mail. I said, I just heard you call for our daughter from the kitchen. He just looked at me. I don't know what's in my apartment. I thought that the presence was harmless. Now that it's calling out to my daughter, pretending to be her father, I'm not so sure. I guess I'll leave the lights on. I was recently chatting with my boyfriend about our paranormal experiences, and it reminded me of this occurrence, which happened to me when I was around 10 or 11. My family is very tight-knit. We all live in the same neighborhood, and everyone's house is within walking distance. This particular day was a Sunday in June, and everyone was over at my grandma's house because we were having a barbecue. Everybody was there my aunts and uncles, cousins, my parents, and of course, myself. The only person who wasn't there was my brother, because he was at his dad's house for the weekend and wouldn't be home until Monday evening. My mom and grandma were preparing some food when my mom realized that she had forgotten the buns for the burgers at home. Being that we lived a block and a half away from my grandma, my mom gave me our house key and asked me to go get the buns. I happily obliged and made my way back home. When I got to my door, I could hear my two dogs barking from inside, which wasn't out of the norm because they were always barking. But there was just this certain intensity to their barking which, looking back, should have struck as a warning. I unlocked the deadbolt and went to unlock the handle. As I put my key into the handle to unlock it, I heard the deadbolt lock back. I turned the handle and tried to open the door, and sure enough, the deadbolt was locked. Odd, but I thought maybe I just didn't unlock it the whole way. So I unlocked the deadbolt again, and I heard the handle lock. At this point, I thought my brother had come home early and was just messing with me. I banged on the door and yelled at him to knock it off. I unlocked the door handle, and the deadbolt locked again. I screamed my brother's name and kept banging on the door as I was getting more and more frustrated. I unlocked the deadbolt once more and finally got inside. When I stepped inside, I heard someone run down the hallway and into the back room of the house. My dogs were losing their minds at this point, and since I thought it was just my brother... I ran into the back room, thinking I would see him standing in there, laughing, and nobody was there. My stomach dropped, but I told myself that maybe he went into a different room. So I checked my parents' bedroom, my bedroom, 
and our main floor bathroom. Nobody was in the house. I was panicking at this point. I was an odd kid and loved the paranormal, so immediately I assumed it was a ghost. I ran back into the kitchen, grabbed the buns as quickly as possible, and ran back to my grandma's. When I got there, my mom could tell something was wrong. She asked if everything was okay, and I asked her if my brother had come home early. She said no, and that she just spoke to him, and that he and his dad were heading out to the mountains for the day. I told her what happened, and she didn't seem too alarmed by it. She told me it was nothing, and that I was imagining it. To this day, I still have no idea what that was, but it gives me chills thinking about it. When I was about seven years old, we moved into a new house, and what would become a regular occurrence started right away. My twin-sized bed was positioned in the back corner of the room, so above my head and to the right was a wall. There were baseboard heaters, so there was about a four-inch gap from the wall around my bed. It would start with a very unsettling, unmistakable sound of sniffing, almost like a dog, but louder and constant. The first time it happened, I froze, and I stared at the ceiling, not sure of what to do. At the foot of my bed was a tall, narrow wicker dresser. I saw a black shadow rise up behind it. It had rabbit ears, but a human body. At the time, it looked like Bugs Bunny to me. But as I got older, I would describe it as Frank, the creepy rabbit from Donnie Darko. I could hear its hands holding onto the wicker, making it creak as it rose up. It waved a few times, then tilted its head at me, but then sunk back down. And that was it. The next time, and what would become its regular routine, I heard the sniffing again. But this time I sprang out of bed and stood in the light beam coming from the hallway where the door was left slightly open. It rose up, staying flat against the wall like a shadow. This time, instead of waving, it lifted its arm and threw what looked like these football-shaped objects at me over and over again, but they would disappear before they got to the light wedge that I stood in. Eventually, it would sink back down. I would stuff my pillows in the gap and reluctantly go back to bed. Sometimes I would go to sleep in my parents' bed, and I would hear the sniffing coming from somewhere in their room. But I felt safe and just didn't react. One time, though, my dad was on a business trip, so I was sleeping in his spot next to my mom. I heard my name being called loudly from somewhere in the house. It sounded like a cheesy, cartoony Dracula voice saying my name, Stephanie. I thought for sure my mom heard it too, so I yelled out, What? I did this over and over again in response. I know that I was awake because I was sitting upright and my eyes felt dry from having to keep them wide open in fear. My mom rushed to comfort me and said that I was dreaming. 
I fell back asleep, and I saw that rabbit head poke into my mom's room and wave, then duck back out. These are just a few stories of my rabbit shadow person encounters. When we moved, I never saw, heard, or dreamt of it again. I did tell this story constantly as it was clear in my memory and such a strange, scary time in my childhood. When I heard the story last time about the rabbit-headed sleep paralysis entity, I had to reach out. Throughout my life, I have had several experiences that I cannot explain. It started when I was young and has continued until recently. I have had dreams and seen things while I was awake that have either frightened me or brought me to tears because of the special connections I've made. One of these occurrences happened a few years ago and is the reason I'm writing to the podcast. I work in healthcare. Over the years, I have worn many hats in the roles I have had. One that I truly enjoyed was home support. I would go into a person's home and help them with the things they could no longer do independently. This would include bathing, housekeeping, preparing meals, etc. This is how I met Sarah. Sarah had developed an illness called graft-versus-host disease following a stem cell transplant that cured her cancer. Sarah's illness was devastating. Her body started fighting the cells, and the result was the loss of skin from her knee down, which led to serious infections. While assisting in Sarah's care, my heart would ache. She was in so much pain. She was scared of what was happening to her body. She was afraid of having her bandages changed, which she would have to endure twice a week. A wound care nurse would come in and remove the old dressings and reapply new ones. The process caused unimaginable discomfort. One day when I was there, Sarah told me that she was going to be working with the nurse and a social worker to come up with techniques they could use to help her disassociate from the pain during the dressing change. This was a wonderful idea. Anything she could use to help would benefit her. After assisting with her care and getting her back to bed, the nurse and social worker arrived. Sarah told the social worker that having the Bible read to her would be comforting. The nurse started removing the dressings, and the social worker opened the Bible. She asked Sarah where she would like her to read from. Sarah told her anywhere that was bookmarked or highlighted. I'm not a very religious person, but... I found this to be an interesting experience in and of itself. As the social worker began to read the verse, she would repeat the same line a few times before moving on. Sarah laid her focus on the words that were being read. Then, all of a sudden, the most beautiful white light surrounded Sarah. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. I looked at the nurse doing her dressing change, and then at the social worker who just continued reading and was amazed that neither of them saw what I was seeing. A total sense of peace came over me. I knew I was witnessing something greater than I could explain. 
this pure white light that was enveloping my client brought me to tears, and I had to get up and excuse myself from the room. After the nurse and social worker left, I finished up with my client and practically raced home to look up more about what I had just seen. What I found was that I had seen her aura. White auras appear around pure beings. To me, though, it seemed so much greater. It seemed like a miracle or something. I didn't know if I should tell Sarah what I had seen. Even thinking about it made me feel like I was a little crazy, but I decided that I must. So the next day when I went to her home and started her care, I told her what I had seen. I prefaced it by saying, You might think I'm crazy, but I have to tell you what I saw yesterday. Sarah didn't think I was crazy. In fact, she found great comfort in what I shared with her. She told me that it was the Holy Spirit protecting her through her pain. She was incredibly grateful that I shared with her my experience and knew that having the Bible read to her would be the best way to help her through her painful dressing changes and through the illness she was suffering from. I don't know what I saw that day, but I do know that whatever it was brought great comfort to my client and myself. It left me feeling like there is a greater power at work, and that there are so many things that we can't explain. I work as a corrections officer at a maximum security state prison and have worked all watches, but my best paranormal stories come from the overnight watch, of course. It was around 4.50 a.m. and my partner was just leaving the control bubble to conduct a counting round. I received an intercom call from inside a locked room that would never have somebody inside at 4.50 a.m. It was an inmate hearing room, not a cell. Obviously, someone has to physically press that button for an intercom call to go off. I have control of all entry and exit points to this room, so I would know if somebody was in that room. I clicked to respond on the control panel in the control bubble, which automatically brings up the camera for that room. It was dark, but there was enough light bleeding in from the staff hallway behind the room that I could see that nobody was in there. I informed my partner of the intercom call and he mentioned how weird it was and then continued onward to conduct the count. Here's where it gets crazy. My curiosity peaked, and I responded to the intercom saying, Is anyone there? I got a voice response from a male that stated, Help! Somebody! It was stated in such a way that it was clear he was saying, Somebody help me. All of my hair stood on end, and a chill ran down my back. I'm a spiritual person, so I knew I was encountering some kind of spirit or ghost. I told it to depart in the name of Jesus and that it wasn't welcome here. I'm certain I heard laughter drift into the distance through the intercom after I told it to leave. I told my partner what happened when he returned to the control bubble after his count round and he believed me. Likely because he too had a few paranormal stories of his own from prison. Many other corrections officers at my facility have creepy stories, mostly from overnights, 
but none of them are quite as wild as mine, in my opinion. Story number two. Overnight watch yet again. I had just finished doing three checks of the prison, an area that is completely abandoned at night since all guards and inmates reside on levels one and two. Level three is only populated with staff and inmates during the day, Monday through Friday, when there is programming like canteen, education, discipline hearings, laundry workers, etc. At one of the areas on level three, I had to wait by a door for a coworker on level two to open it for me. While I waited, I was whistling to myself and tapping my key on the wall. I like to make little noises when doing these checks because it's creepy at night and I like to make my presence known so I don't catch anyone or anything off guard. I completed my checks at 30 minutes past midnight and returned to my unit on level 2. About one hour later, at approximately 1.30 in the morning, the co-worker who had opened that door for me called to me to see if I was back in my unit. Clearly, I was back in my unit. He then stated that he called me because he could hear tapping and whistling coming from the area directly above him. Tapping and whistling on level 3, the area I had just checked an hour prior. A chill went down my spine. He had no idea that I had been tapping and whistling quietly to myself while waiting. I told him this, and he was shocked. The tapping and whistling on level 3 continued on and off throughout the night and another staff member confirmed that he could hear it as well. In addition to this, Master Control and Central Control Center on Level 5 all had motion alarms going off in that same area of Level 3 at about 5.30 a.m. No staff or inmates were in that area. It seems like someone or something was watching while I conducted Level 3 checks and later imitated my actions throughout the night. A lot of people say they only remember things from around the ages of 10 or 11. The first memory that I can recall with clarity is a nightmare, figuratively speaking, since I wasn't asleep. My mom and dad were still together, and I was about four years old. I had a baby brother who still slept in my parents' room, but I had a big girl bed in my own room. We lived in a junky house in a terrible neighborhood. We just moved in a few days before, but this was my first night at this house. We stayed up watching movies and eating snacks, and I was super tired. I had this beautiful duvet with lace and flowers on it that my grandparents bought me, and I was sleeping in this massive twin bed. I remember it being really tall for me. My dad brought me to bed and tucked me in and I was just starting to fall asleep, when all of a sudden, my bed started to shake really hard, violently. I screamed and was instantly wide awake. I remember hearing the bed frame slamming against the wall, and the legs of the bed coming up off the ground and slamming back down. 
My bedroom door was open, and my mom came running toward me. Right as she gets to my bedroom, the door slams shut. Boom! Right in my mom's face. I can hear her shouting, and when the door opens again, she is laying flat on her back. The door opens and shuts, again and again. Whack, whack, whack. I'm screaming. My mom is screaming. My brother starts crying, and my dad is shouting. The lights start to flicker on and off. My lamp falls off the bedside table and shatters. Then the door slams shut again, and everything goes quiet. My mom opens my door really slowly. I'm still crying, reaching out for her. My mom charges into the room, scoops me up, and races out of the house with tears running down her face. We get in the car, where my mom is trying to shush me, all while crying and screaming. Soon after, my dad comes out with my brother in his car seat. He loads my brother up, and we take off down the road. We lived with my grandparents for a few years after that. My dad tried to convince everyone that it was an earthquake for several years, but we didn't live anywhere near earthquake territory. He eventually admitted to knowing this, and that what happened only occurred in my room. My mom and I know what it was, and we only talk about my first memory on rare occasions. So 2023 hasn't been treating you very well. What's happening? This COVID, now your broken toe? Are you okay? No, I'm not okay. I'm sad. Um, it's been a rough year. I started off recovering from COVID in 2023. The day that my cough went away, which lasted like three weeks, almost a month, mm -hmm. I got out of bed, ran to the bathroom. And before I could even make it there, I thought that I stubbed my toe real bad, but I heard a snap. Uh, I laid on the bed and I screamed at the top of my lungs and my wife uh, was like, what's wrong? What's wrong? And I told her, uh, I think I broke my toe. And of course, she's like, you just stubbed your toe, you know, trying to like minimize it. Well, not minimize, but make you feel better. Like it's it's not that bad. Not make me feel better. But in my uh, my freak out mode when I was in pain, I immediately snapped at her. I was like, what are you trying to downplay my pain or something like that? <laughs> something super stupid. Rude. Yeah. She was like, all right, whatever. I walked out of the room. When she came back, like there's this big bruise and it's all swollen. She's like, oh yeah, that's pretty bad. And uh, I just figured, hey, I might've sprained it. I might've done something just to injure it. But then the next day the bruise was worse and I couldn't walk on it. So uh, it's pretty, I'm, I'm like 99.9% uh, that it's broken, but I'm not going to the doctor because there's nothing that they can do. Apparently I've talked to doctors mm -hmm. <laughs> that uh, are listeners. Um, and anybody that I've read their story online, like Brazilian jujitsu subreddits about dudes that break their toes all the time. All They're the like, time. It's just, super common. Yeah. You just have to tape it up and wait for it to heal. So that's, that's what I'm doing. What right I did. Now. I'm pretty sure I broke my pinky when I was doing jujitsu for a while. I just taped up the small toe to the toe next to it. Yeah. I mean, but ice. was your whole, was it all bruised and swollen and like, could you even walk on it? Cause I mean, I don't think that you've broken a bone, right? We talked about this. That is true. Now that I think about it, it wasn't 
totally bruised up or swollen. I could limp on it, but it yeah. definitely hurt for like a good probably month. Okay, well then you might have yeah, if it if it hurt for a month, you probably had like a hairline fracture. It's probably yeah. nothing serious. I kind of wish I have broken a bone before. It feels like a rite of passage, you know, just growing up being a rambunctious tot. Yeah. Is that the term tot? <laughs> yeah, tot's right. It's tot. Okay, all right, well, yeah. Yeah, when I was a little tater tot, my uh, my cousin broke his arm and that was the big deal because none of my cousins or friends or anybody that I knew broke anything. And when he, he fell, as silly as this sounds, this almost sounds like a storybook. He fell out of the apple tree and broke his arm. Uh, <laughs> right before church. Yeah, yeah probably. <laughs> and they uh, had to get a cast and that was like a huge deal. And uh, I always was so scared of uh, breaking anything because he was in so much pain. And I made it to 36 and I'm kind of bummed that the one thing I break is my, the smallest little part of my body, my little Not even something toe. cool. Yeah. It's not even cool. I didn't get to break an arm or a leg or a rib. Like not, not that I want any of that to happen. <laughs> no, no. It's kind of like kidney stones. It's like, Ooh, what's that like? But I'm not curious enough exactly. to ever get kidney stones. Yeah. Fuck that. I mean, I've had urinary problems in the past. I've talked about it on even my, my podcast. Like I've had prostatitis, I've had hernias, I've had all kinds of problems, but for some reason, kidney stones scare the shit out of me because I've seen mm-hmm. my dad on the couch in agony twice in my life from kidney stones. Oof. I don't know how I, I've, avoided them because it seems like a common thing. It seems like all older dads, like from the last generation before us all got them. Right. 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 I'm actually surprised. I never had kidney stones because I used to drink, as you know, a gallon of whole milk a day when I was really, oh, yeah, I really into the whole powerlifting <laughs> yeah. thing. And apparently that is a recipe for disaster for kidney stones, but it worked out fine. I got up to a, like a healthy 200 with that, but let's be real. It was mostly fat, but it was like a, Country boy bulk. It was all right. I might do it again. Who knows? Can't knock that boy over with a pail of water. We should get summer abs. You want to do that? Go on tour over the summer with abs and just do a shirtless show. Yeah, we just wear half shirts. Mid-drift crop tops or whatever. You know what's crazy? I just unlocked my phone to Google ab workouts. (laughs) And I literally got like an ad on Instagram for this like ab machine, this ab roller machine. What? That's so creepy. Yeah. It just read my mind. It, it probably heard us talking, but that's so weird. Have you gotten like fitness targeted ads too? Like before ever? Oh yeah. It seems like anytime I think about anything, I get ads for mm-hmm. it. Just thinking about it. I remember one time I was hearing some coworkers talk about Formula One and this was before I ever got into it. Never Googled it, never had any sort of care for it. I just wrote it off as nascar but with better tracks so i bring up my phone and i type in how space the letter f because i'm trying to search (laughs) for how fast do formula one cars go and i just get to how f and it autofills how fast does a formula one car go and i tried it on a different computer like not on my phone and it came up with something else like how fast does hair grow but in that moment on my phone at work i do how f and it autofills i think that's probably because it heard your coworkers talking about it maybe oh absolutely yeah we're being listened to all the time yeah i i always assume every single thing i say or do is being recorded at all times why would it not be you know what i mean it, yeah if you have if you have the facilities to do that and spy on everyone uh, why would you not do it? So yeah, I just always assume. So I'm always very careful, but the weird ones are when you didn't say anything and you're just thinking about it. Yes. 
and mm-hmm. then it pops up. It happens to me a lot. Actually, next time it does, I'm going to r- make a video and record it because I, it's, it just happens to me way too often. Yeah. And even YouTube ads, like I'll be watching a YouTube on my TV because I don't have ad blocker and an ad will pop up for something that I was just sitting there thinking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's really weird. It drives me crazy. I don't like it. We're walking around with a tracking device being audio recorded and it's not like a conspiracy theory. This is all proven and true. It's scary. And we allow it. Yeah, it's just spoiling life. That's what it's doing. Uh, I, I feel like maybe smartphones have some kind of capability to tap into our minds in some way, into our brains, some type of microwave <laughs> radiation. I don't know. I'm just throwing words out there. But you got to think about how easy it is to get smartphones now, too. Like they're giving them away at cell phone stores. They're like, hey, sign up for a plan. We'll give it to you. Oh, yeah. We'll charge you five bucks a month on your bill. We'll give you the brand new iPhone. And it seems like somebody out there wants everybody to have a fucking cell phone. And that's probably so that we can be tracked and monitored and controlled, right? Yeah, it's all ads selling our data. Yeah, yeah. I really miss my old Nokia brick phone from high school. That thing, it, it kept a charge for like a week maybe even two weeks. It was Mm -hmm. nice. I remember I was at like a show afterwards. I had put my Nokia phone on top of my car to get my keys out of my pocket, got into my car, drove off. Phone fell off the top of my car and I drove over the phone. I heard the snap. But when I got out, the screen was cracked a little bit. The rest of the phone was intact and it still worked. Nice. Yeah, man. Those things are great. I, I've actually looked into trying to get those now, but I guess you can't use them because they don't use the same frequency as all the cell phone towers now or something. Right, right. So you yeah. really can't use them. But that would be great. I would love to go back to just a, a Nokia phone and playing Snake all day instead of browsing through I social know. media. I know. Life. It's so depressing. It's so weird. I never really used social media before the podcast, and I have such a love-hate relationship with it. Like I, I enjoy interacting with people, but it almost feels weird and inappropriate to put yourself out there like that but whatever here i am yeah i agree but i feel like i have to exactly like a a requirement Mm -hmm. nowadays Mm -hmm. um i do want to move on to some stories from listeners i had a listener write in and tell me about his dream story that i wanted to share here because this one just really creeped me out um this one's from tyler weathers he said that he had a cousin that passed away around 2015 And he had a dream that he ran into him. And it's really been one of the only times where he recognized that he was in a dream. So he kind of had like a lucid dream. He walked up to give his cousin a hug. And he says that we started having a little bit of small talk. Tyler says, the weird thing is I recognized it was a dream, but I didn't want him to know that I knew it was a dream. I told him how things were going for me. And I asked him, where are you working these days? He looked right at me. And can you guess what he said, Brandon? Um, Happy Hanukkah. Oof, I wish. He said, I'm working with the devil now. Oh, quite the opposite. Yeah. He said that shit woke me up so fast. LOL. Man, it's that, that one connected with me because of my past dreams about family members like my mom. It would always be some weird, dark situation like that. She would say something really dark or she, like that one time she ended up wearing a plague mask. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's weird how dream characters will manifest as family members or people that you know, and it's just weird that it turns dark. I don't understand that. Yeah, there is some darkness that permeates a lot of people who you wouldn't even expect. Like my grandma, she's a very holy woman, and 
I don't think she's ever had a dark thought in her life. And even she can recall dreams that are just beyond comprehension of any sort of seeing a movie or consuming some sort of media or any deep seated fear. It's just these things manifest on their own sometimes, it seems. Mm-hmm. Speaking of that, how about this rabbit thing we got going on? Do we have a new cryptid on Odd Trails? Oh, yeah. So Stephanie's story about the uh, the rabbit. So this is the only other story I've heard about a rabbit demon or shadow person or whatever you want to call it, sleep paralysis demon. It tends to only show up when the person is in bed or sleeping or waking up in the middle of the night. So I relate it to some kind of paralysis demon or something like that. But yeah, this I searched the internet. I searched Reddit. I could not find any like stories about a rabbit demon or a rabbit ghost or anything like that. And it's it's wild that two stories that we get from listeners have this rabbit man in them, this Donnie Darko rabbit guy. What what do you make of this? I don't know what to make of it other than it's interesting because Stephanie sent me a DM when she heard the previous story about the rabbit individual mm. saying, oh yeah, the, that Donnie Darko rabbit, I saw the same thing. And then I asked her to expand on the story and here we are. I'm curious though, I, I want to find out more. I know you've done some research, I've done some research and we can't find anything about a rabbit humanoid type of thing if anybody else knows something let us know exactly the only thing i could think of is something from alice in wonderland or like that game alice or donnie darko it's like it's it's a new thing the rabbit man it's a new thing so i'm wondering if we're going to get more listeners writing in about this rabbit man because maybe it's just something nobody ever really talked about because they thought it was a bad dream And this might open up the door to a new phenomena, a new cryptid, a new character. I certainly hope so. Well, I don't hope so, but... What? Well, I do hope so for the sake of the podcast. Well, that, and we want to validate people's experiences. That's true. That's a good point. And plus our own selfish reasons, as you said. That's interesting. (laughs) It's fun. It is fun. So yeah, if you have any Rabbit Man stories, by all means, send those in. We would love to uh, get some more info on this rabbit cryptid. Maybe we can uh, create a profile. Maybe if you have, uh, if you guys can draw sort of a, a picture of what you were seeing and we can compare the two, you know, that, that might help. Um, in any case, write into us, let us know. Send your stories in to stories at oddtrails.com. Thank you all for listening to this week. You have heard Orbs Are Not the Vibe by Katie, The Invitation by Cliff Hollows, The Presence by MK, Was It a Ghost by Jade, Rabbit Man by Stephanie Viata. My Encounter with the Holy Spirit by Elise. Haunted Prison by Seth. And finally, Welcome to My House by Llama Girl. All the stories you've heard this week were narrated and produced with the permission of their respective authors. Don't forget to head over to patreon.com forward slash odd trails to sign up and support the show today. You'll get access to ad free versions of all of our episodes at a higher bit rate for the best listening experience. And don't forget to check out the new episode of my other podcast. Let's not meet a true horror podcast at crypticcountypodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. See you next week. Stay safe. Peace out.